0: We don't have it all figured out. But the one thing we know for sure is that people, the consumers, they are totally comfortable with shopping on kiosks and vending machines. We see it in the, the airports. We see it in the grocery stores. We see it in restaurants. So they're adopting automation fast and they're going to continue to do that, especially the younger generation.
1: You're listening to Retail Remix your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. COVID has accelerated a lot of trends in retail, but I would argue the top one was contactless commerce. And you may be saying, well, that's a pretty big topic, Alicia. What exactly are you getting at? So when I say contactless, I mean any sort of, interaction that a consumer can have to receive a product and not have to interface with anyone, can do the browsing on their own, the scanning on their own, and simply walk out of the store or walk away. And one of the most exciting spaces within that umbrella is kiosks, and vending machines. And they've been in the space for a while, make no mistake about it, but it seems like we're coming into this new era where brands as big as Procter & Gamble and even the smallest D2C brands are embracing them. That's why I wanted to sit down with Don Dixon, who is the founder of PopCom. PopCom was developed to provide digital intelligence, powerful insights, to vending machines. And Dawn has some new details to share around their Pop Shop local initiative, consumer insights around when, why, and how they wanna engage with vending machines and what the opportunities are. So if you're looking to expand upon your contactless commerce strategy or simply better connect the dots between your digital and physical engagement, this is a great conversation for you to get some new ideas.
0: Don, thanks so much for uh, being on the show today. It's so great to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to share with you what I'm working on today.
1: Yeah, and there is a lot going on. Before we dig deep into some of the latest things, I do want to zoom out a little bit because you have such an incredible career and experience of what I would call a serial entrepreneur, right? So can you give our listeners a bit of a rundown of some of your ventures, and most of all, what you love about being a business builder. Because recently, you were listed on the Next 1000 from Forbes, which is a new list of entrepreneurs who are basically this next gen of business leader. This is how Forbes is positioning it. So I'd love to learn more about how you really got to where you are today.
0: Yeah. And that was a great honor. It was really amazing to be picked in that group and recognized from our work since for such a long time, the market that I work in and automated retail was not really considered sexy and wasn't very attractive. So I've been an entrepreneur. This is my 20th year. I started my first company in 2001. It was a tech company after I went to school for IT. And this was in the very, very early days of like the Wide web and people using it as consumers. And I started my first company just out of a problem that I experienced, which all of my companies that I've started, I've started five, they were all from really something I experienced, a pain point, and I couldn't find a solution and decided to to solve my own problem. So with my first business, it was an online media site for events, entertainment, activities to do around the city, because back then the only way to know what to do and where to go was by getting a flyer in your hand or reading the newspaper, because there was no social media, there were no smartphones. So this was a really innovative business to have a website that listed events. It sounds very simple today, but back then it was like revolutionary. And that really made my career take off because I had a tech platform that was widely used over 100,000 hits a month in my state, and it turned into a media outlet. So I was very connected with the city, the state, and then people coming around from across the country doing events in Columbus, Ohio, where I was based. And that really launched my career as an entrepreneur. So to have an early win definitely boosted my confidence to continue to start businesses. And I've continued full time. And my next company, I started a consulting business in 2005 called D1 Consulting Group. It's still in business today. And we started to work with businesses on digital marketing strategy in the early 2000s because I really wanted to teach people how to build email lists and grow online presence like I did in the early 2000s. That company has pivoted to consulting in many areas as marketing has evolved over the past 15 years. And now we focus primarily on equity, crowdfunding, campaign development, strategy for raising capital in that way, and then the marketing plans to raise capital. And then I also do a lot of business coaching and speaking professionally under D1 Consulting Group. But also under D1 Consulting Group back then, in about 2010, I started working on events. And I worked with a lot of my clients as a consultant to help them get sponsorships for the events. And doing these events, I would see women wearing heels because typically women wear heels when they're dressed up. And I would see women, their feet hurt, they would start to walk barefoot, they would have, they would sit down, they couldn't last long in these heels. And I experienced that pain point myself. And I said, how can we help women to be able to enjoy their night? And my aha moment and my idea was to sell rollable ballet flats that are portable in vending machines that women could buy when their feet hurt and continue to keep their night going. And that idea was for a shoe product, but it was a very unique distribution channel. So we sold online and e-commerce, but the vending machine was a very new idea for selling non-traditional things that typically would be coffee, food, and soda. And that got me into the vending business as a retailer, selling my own products and vending machines. Again, solving a pain point I experienced, but finding a new way to get the product direct to customer. That concept really took off and got me a lot of press and a lot of recognition for just being disruptive in distribution for a retail product which then led me into the vending industry to go deeper into how can I make these machines better? How can I make them smarter? How can I bring customers into my sales funnel? How can I really grow and scale this shoe vending machine business? And what I identified was that there was a lack of software technology in the vending industry that would allow me to have the same type of conversion and tools that I had in e-commerce. And that led me to saying, okay, I'm going to start my own software business after spending years of looking for a solution that I couldn't find. I'm going to start my own software business, which is Popcom, to develop software to make vending machines smarter and really bring that e-commerce experience of conversion calculation, lead generation, product suggestions, social sharing, and just engagement with customers. Bring that experience that we all get online and social media today. Bring that into the physical brick and mortar environment and put it on vending machines so retailers can be smarter about their business decisions. But mainly it was for me. And so everything that I've done has been solving my own problem that I realized that there are greater groups of people that are experiencing these pain points that can really turn into scalable businesses. And, and that's where I am today. I now have four businesses. I all started a restaurant along this path and I sold the restaurant. But I have four businesses that are, that are still in business today.
1: Incredible. And
0: I love that every new
1: initiative every new company was built upon the user and, and in most cases you were the target customer right so you're able to build sound business strategies based upon these questions or, or these pain points and i think the value prop of popcom in particular is so fascinating because it was a very daunting pain point for quite a while for retailers that digital channels had so much insight so much data every click every point of engagement on the back end you have that clarity right but as soon as you would go into the store or engage with a kiosk or a vending machine that was kind of like a blind spot right like you don't know like how much people are engaging and this ultimately allows the brand or the retail, whoever's creating these experiences to make more data-driven decisions at a new channel. So you kind of touched on a little bit about why a solution like this was needed, which is fantastic. But I mean, how does this all work? Because as you noted in your last response, you get a lot of insight from this
0: software. So I mean, can you talk about like how all the pieces come together? Yeah, definitely. So the first thing was really for me, analyzing and thinking through how can we bring the e-commerce experience to brick and mortar in a, on a vending machine. And really what the driver is for understanding your e-commerce activity is the IP address. It's just knowing where that customer logged in from, knowing how they're moving around your site, the heat mapping, seeing where they click, seeing if they converted or not, if they actually completed the purchase so that you can retarget them if they did not and say, hey, did you forget something in your cart or come back and check this out. And so I said, what is the equivalent of an IP address in the real world? And I really concluded it's that physical human being. It's the person we are when we're walking around the mall or walking around stores, we are the IP address. We are what we do, how, where we look, where we glance, what we touch, how long we spend. That's what we need to figure out. And so luckily by this time, facial recognition technology had evolved to where it was available for consumer companies Remember, this technology was reserved for government agencies and law enforcement. It wasn't for people and businesses who are working B2C to really put this into the market. So I was really grateful when that technology was introduced to where now I remember I seen a company, Kairos, using face recognition at conferences to count the people that walk by the booth and measure how many times they glance and come into the booth. And I asked the founder of the company, Brian Burkeen, can I use this same technology on a vending machine? Can a vending machine, can we put this face recognition and count people that walk by, calculate when they look at the machine and then when they actually walk up and how long they spend there and then convert these numbers and create a conversion rate that we know how many people are shopping. And he was like, that's a brilliant idea. I think that's amazing. It's never been done, but let's try it. And so I work with him to create this integrate his software and create this dashboard and platform that uses facial recognition technology outside of the vending machine where we collect rather anonymous user data so we're not it's not walking by saying this is Don Dixon in front of the machine it's going to say a female adult walked past the machine she purchased or not she spent 2 minutes in front of the machine she clicked around these pages she spent 15 seconds on this page her whole user journey was Two minutes here's the email address, and now we can remarket and retarget that customer. If then we know that was a conversion or not, and so that's really the foundation of the technology. But then we added another camera on the top of the machine that counts the traffic that walks by overall to calculate the overall conversion rate of how the machine is performing, and then also deliver targeted content and product suggestions based on the demographic profile of the person standing in front of the machine. So for an example, if a retailer wanted to target male seniors, senior citizens, when a male senior citizen walks up to the machine, a certain ad would trigger and deliver to that customer. A female teen could walk up right after that male senior and the ad would switch to the ad that the retailer set. While at the same time, There's different products in the machine that the retailer may want to target to different audiences. We can do that as well. So that's essentially how it works. We aggregate all that data we collect about what's happening around the machine and in front of the machine and put it into a very nice dashboard, very similar to a Shopify dashboard that allows the retailer to get a holistic overview of their traffic, their customers, collect leads Send email receipts, remarket, retarget, and finally bring those customers into the sales funnel without ever violating any privacy because we do not take any identifying information unless the customer provides an email address or a phone number associated with their order. So I feel really good about maintaining privacy while helping retailers get data they need without ever violating the customer's privacy, which is a big thing, as you know, in the world today. Yeah.
1: It actually was going to be a follow-up question that I was going to ask you, Don, because I know being able to personalize, but in a compliant way is very important, but giving people the option to raise their hand, so to speak, whether that be to sign up for updates or, I mean, is there even an opportunity to like maybe even like log into accounts and then like that leads to a further opportunity to personalize even more at the individual level. So it's like, oh, welcome Don, Like, so it's a bit more tailored or is it typically like you go through the experience and then you opt into that? Like, I guess I'm trying to understand like how granular brands and, and retailers could possibly get through this experience if the consumer opts in, of yes, course. Once
0: this consumer opts in for the first time, so their very first interaction, you won't know it's them until they give an email address or a phone number. But once they do that, yes, they get an email receipt and in that receipt are many calls actions that the retailer can set. So if they would like to put a call to action in a receipt to create an account so that we can engage with you more, so that we can send you special offers, that is the opportunity to do that. From my studies, I learned that I think it's over, over 85% open rate in retail receipts. It's actually the highest open rate of any retail emails is the receipt that you get. So the call to actions, the asks, the upsells should always be put into that receipt. So that's where we give the retailers opportunity to do that. On the back-end dashboard, even if they don't opt in for marketing messages, every single time they purchase and they put in their email or their phone number, this is connected to their customer account on the retailer's back-end. Now, the great thing about the Popcom network, which is our IoT network of our connected devices, is that once the customer opts in, if they opt into the Popcom network, that means that every time they shop at any vending machine that is owned and operated that is operated by Popcom Software. Then they can still get that information about the consumer shopping habits, so they can share this information as they want. All the personal data, because we do have technology that allows retailers to verify identity for things like dispensing a regulated product like alcohol, cannabis, or tobacco. That's all stored on the blockchain and accessed through a QR code. It's a big picture vision. We imagine building in more things into that back end QR code where the customer can give access and be incentivized for sharing their data. Like if they want to share their purchasing habits or their preferences, they can even go as far as finding a way to monetize that data down the road because they own all of their data on the blockchain. Amazing. So fascinating. So with that, because you did kind of hint at
1: a few different categories, a few different use cases, companies that could benefit from this type of technology. And we've seen very similar interests and excitement around vending machines and and kiosks. I feel like kiosks, we've seen a lot more for omni-channel fulfillment type capabilities, vending machines for like impulse buys or urgent needs. I've seen some CPG brands and cosmetic brands doing some fascinating things and fun things too with vending machines. But obviously we're in a time of reinvention in a lot of ways. And retailers are really trying to, and brands too, are trying to bolster their omni-channel strategies, find more ways to engage with their consumers and collect that data. Data is currency after all. Um, So I'd love your take on consumer interests, as well as retailer interests. Are you seeing a nice intersection now in terms of how vending machines can help accelerate or
0: improve omnichannel experiences? Definitely. We call our machine, this is amni- omni-channel in our marketing because that's exactly right. And I love to see all the use cases that have come to market in the past, let's say, maybe five years. Leading with the Amazon package lockers because people don't really realize those are vending machines. You're actually the lockers are vending a product to you where you can pick it up. And so that really opened up people's minds to more possibility besides getting a soda or a candy bar from vending machines. So we have seen a huge interest increase from retailers and then consumer mass adoption through channels like Amazon and then even the face recognition when Instagram and Snapchat started using facial recognition for emojis, it normalized facial recognition and made people comfortable with face detection in general. It's on Facebook, it's everywhere. So these larger companies have normalized the technology that I needed to use to grow my business. We've been working on this since 2013, but the market just was not ready. They just, they were resisting it. I heard many times from investors that this wasn't a good market and that vending was was not a good market and they couldn't see how it worked. But now retailers are seeing you can use kiosks to test new products that you want to try in the market. You can sell your best sellers on demand in places like airports or hotels and you can use vending machines to order from them and to ship directly to yourself or order online and pick it up from a vending machine. So there's so many use cases for automated retail that it's just really booming in the past I'd say even 2 or 3 years. Yeah, it's definitely
1: interesting. I remember the first time I saw I think it was Benefit Cosmetics Thick their vending machine in Newark Airport. I was getting ready to go for a business trip. I was like, oh my gosh, this is genius. Because like, how many times do you try to pack as lean as possible and then realize like you forgot like mascara or something and you have a very specific brand or you know the brand, you like the brand. And it's just like that perfect, like meeting the consumer at that point of need in a very fun and branded way. And I'm glad that you brought up the expansion of the different categories because I'm wondering what type of traction now that you're having these conversations where retailers are seeing the possibilities, brand executives are seeing the possibilities. Like are you seeing more movement in one direction or another in terms of adoption? Like is it more retailers trying to showcase or curate those those top-notch products or top-selling products or Is it more brands? I'm I'm almost even wondering if there's an opportunity for DTC brands too, right? Like that are maybe like starting to go into physical, but are trying to figure out like brand impact and brand awareness. I mean,
0: what are you seeing right now? On everything you said, it's big brands. You've had contracts with Procter & Gamble, very large wine and spirits brands, many smaller direct-to-customer brands that are selling strong online but want to figure out their brick-and-mortar presence, not quite ready to get their own store, want to control the brand messaging, so not always wanting to sell through third parties because you cannot control the customer experience when you sell through third parties, And which is why we introduced our program called Pop Shop Local. And Pop Shop Local is essentially really the intersection between or the period between going from e-commerce to brick-and-mortar and it really focuses on local products being featured and highlighted in airports, convention centers, and hotels, folks so where local brands are featured in these machines to give them opportunity to get more exposure, to test out this way of selling products, and to get just a pathway to scaling nationals. At least. So that's exactly what we've done. And we allow them to lease the machines and lease space in the machines without making the investment of buying it in a whole machine. Now, our larger customers are CPG brands and they're buying the machines outright. We have several customers in our pipeline and a a few that I can't mention because of confidentiality agreements we have with them, but they're major CPG and major alcohol and spirits brands that we're working with, but they're buying machines to use as distribution, to use as branding. The same thing you mentioned with Benefit, I will say that Gower Smith and Zoom Systems, they have led the way in automated retail. He's really the person that laid the path for everything that every all of us are doing today when it comes to vending machines. And now he has Swift. And those are the ones you see with Best Buy, Benefit Cosmetics, Uniglow, CVS. All of these are that one company. And they only work with very large brands. So if you're a, a multi-million dollar brand and you want to put millions into this strategy, that's a great company to work with. But Popcom, We cater to people that, to retailers that are not quite there yet. We cater to retailers that want to test it out, that want to do a pilot, and then determine if they can scale. So we have, I have a great relationship with the Zoom systems and Swift team, because really we can work together to bring more retailers into this, take a small retailer and grow them to the level of a Benefit Cosmetics. And I think that those brands like Benefit have really demonstrated what can be done when you take a chance on something new. It's a very expensive thing to do to roll out in airports. But as you said, women need products on the go, and we all need products on the go. So I see it as a combination of big brands and small brands, but really vending machines are for Virtually every product that you can imagine can be sold in an automated way.
1: I love that collaboration that can be established because it's so funny how much this tech and solution provider space has evolved. I mean, over the past few years, because I always felt like retail tech was always so like hyper competitive right and people were like okay like i'm in this corner like our competitors are over there and like we don't interface and i know you made the point on that you're not necessarily direct competitors but you are in the same space so i love that you found a way to come together and focus first and foremost on helping the businesses grow and scale and, and hopefully like build a more long term strategy and relationship built around vending machine. So I just wanted to point out that I love the perspective on that. I love that there's a partnership first strategy because I think this is very, very much a space to watch. And I'm glad you brought up Pop Shop Local. So you kind of talked about the mission statement, what you hope to accomplish kind of at a high level. So I would love to get a bit of a briefing on where you guys are at in terms of pilots, expansion, because As of right now, I believe you guys have pilots going in AC Hotel, JW Marriott, possibly Virgin Hotel, right? I just want to make sure that I have a clear understanding of where this initiative is going because the mission, the opportunity to help these small and growing businesses scale is an important one right now, especially. So where are you guys at right now?
0: Definitely. Those retailers took such a big hit. I mean, all retail took a big hit. When the onset of the lockdown happened, but the smaller businesses had the hardest time recovering. And those were our initial pipeline customers. And so we had to adjust our model to accommodate them. And everything we do is always with the customer in mind, which is why we did reach out to establish a relationship with Zoom and Swift, which is the same company now, both founded by Gower Smith, to say, listen, we can be a pipeline to you. We can help these small businesses build up big and then scale and grow into airports all over the country, and what you is what they do. And so what I've seen. Is a lot of venues like the hotels you name. These are hotels we have partnerships with that are have signed on to be a venue for us to put a pop shop. We're not yet placed in them. We have one machine in Polaris Mall in Columbus, Ohio, right now, selling flat out of heels, which is the brand that I founded it where this whole pain point came from. We have another machine going live in Dallas in the next couple of weeks. It's actually like in transit in a crate right now to get uh, tested and set up in Dallas again, selling. Flat Out of Heels, because uh, we sell flat out machines to people who want to be operators and start a business selling rollable flats. So that's a way that I was able to expand my other business as well. But we have 20 brands total signed up for Pop Shop Local, and they're rolling out in these venues across the country. We have 12 states, excuse me, 12 cities that we focused on to launch this program based on the cities with the highest level of tourism. Even though tourism and travel has declined during COVID, obviously people are still traveling and now more so than ever. I mean, spring break 2021 was a boom. Everyone is traveling and back out again and getting their vaccines. So we're seeing a positive shift in people being comfortable coming out and shopping and doing things and going in hotels and airports and convention centers, which is the the venues we target. So we've established these relationships. They're giving us space to put the Pop Shop, and we're actively looking for local brands in these 12 cities to sign up to be in these machines. If any retailers listening to this today and wants information, you can go to popcom.shop and click on Pop Shop Local and fill out the lead form to get into these machines. We're, we're actively out here looking for great brands to feature. And then with that, the goal is to help them grow, scale, get visibility, and continue to do this all around the country.
1: Love that. So, looking at the long-term vision, then. So, you made note of the fact that people are starting to travel more. They're starting to get out and shop now, and I and I assume that that will only continue. You know, as vaccines continue to roll out. But I mean, there's still that that real estate pain point, right? Because there's a lot of unused store space. There's a lot of vacancies that the real estate market is trying to fill. So there is opportunity for further innovation, right? Even if it's in a convention center or a shopping mall or a hotel. So, I mean, what are you thinking about as the founder as the head strategist, so to speak, for, for where the business is going? I mean, what, what are you thinking about long-term and, and ways to iterate and improve upon this opportunity largely for those smaller businesses? What are you trying to think through, I guess, from a business standpoint?
0: That's a really good question. And we're learning alongside our retailers really what they want. What I've learned <laughs> on my journey is never assume what a customer wants, always ask them and find out. Well, we have a lot of ideas around what we could do with Pop Shop Local, but our focus is getting it out in the market, getting these 20 retailers launched and hearing from them what their needs are, how we can make the program better. How do they want to see it in the future? How can we best serve them in the future? Because I've made the mistake even in the past of making a lot of assumptions around what retailers want. And then when I got the first beta in their hands and this is not exactly what they wanted or it's what I wanted, and that's important as a founder and CEO to realize what you started the business to do may not be what you're going to be doing as you scale. And my team really helped me come up with the Pop Shop Local idea, focusing on local, because we were really going, doubling down on enterprise, which now we have a healthy balance of enterprise customers and the Pop Shop Local small business customers. But our goal with this program is to scale them nationally and globally if they want to, if that's what they want. If they want to have you know their local products featured all over the country and ultimately get aligned with a CPG? Because as you know, these big brands like Procter & Gamble, they're comprised of acquisitions of many smaller brands. They're, they're huge houses of brands. So what if we could become the pipeline to get your smaller brand recognized and aligned with these larger CPGs if that's what they want? So we really are doing a lot of customer discovery right now. We don't have it all figured out, but the one thing we know for sure is that people the consumers they are totally comfortable with shopping on kiosk and vending machines. We see it in the, the airports, we see it in the grocery stores, we see it in restaurants. So they're adopting automation fast, and they're going to continue to do that, especially the younger generations. And we also know that retailers are looking to expand their omni-channel strategy. Retailers are looking for ways to deliver products where they can control the user, the customer experience, have less friction. Where they can really get their generate leads because I talked to Procter and Gamble in depth and I'm thinking, why do you guys want to do a vending machine? You're all over every store in America and you're all over the internet. And what they said was they don't have a PNG store. They want to be able to bring customers into their funnel. They wanna be able to build relationships with their customers directly, which they don't do selling through other channels. So that was a very interesting approach because I said they can use these machines to sample products and to Get feedback or to take surveys. So I feel like the possibilities are unlimited, what we could do, but everything we do is going to be customer driven.
1: Yeah, that point around PNG is fascinating and also a really great point around where we're seeing. The ecom and omni-channel space really going because I know over the past year we've seen so many brands really lean into wow. DTC and like what does that look like? Is it a subscription-based model? Is it ecom only and like almost like a marketplace where you can shop all of the different brands? But to your point, I think these larger organizations that have a lot of disparate brands they're trying to figure out how do we create our own experience? How do we brand it and help forge that loyalty, right? Because I may be loyal to one of their brands, but I'm not necessarily loyal to P&G, right? So it's a very interesting alignment, I guess, with a lot of the
0: larger industry-wide trends that we've been tracking now. Exactly. And then you realize that a lot of times customers aren't that loyal. They're, these days, looking for a certain price point, perhaps. Or, I mean, what is it going to take to get them into that loyalty? And that's why they had a program called P&G where they're working to get consumers to realize they can use P&G products every day in their whole life. But that's a direct campaign from P&G to the consumer. That's not like a Target or Walmart or CVS going to relay that message to them. So what I found when I'm dealing with PopCom is there's every business, according to their level, has a different need. And so we're really working through how to meet all of their needs with this product. And the more that we do that, it becomes more robust. Like we've just built an entire enterprise platform where a end that allows one enterprise holder to have and operate hundreds of machines under that one enterprise. And they're doing different things and different prices and different products. But a small retailer for Pop Shop Local, their number one concern is probably just generating sales to stay in business where another retailer is like, we don't really care about how much money we make. We want our brand everywhere. We want to compete with someone else who has a footprint where we don't. So it's a big learning experience. And, and I'm always looking for feedback. And that's why I love this conversation today because it's really retail focused. And I, I just want to hear how, if there's other things that I'm not thinking about that we're not thinking about, I love to hear that from people like yourself and just all the customers in general
1: yeah absolutely don well this
0: has been super
1: enlightening and i feel like we've already spoken about all of the different use cases big cpg brands big retailers but also dtc brands there is no limitation as far as size or category it seems as far as who can benefit from these types of experiences and and as you noted in your last response there's also varying opportunities depending on your objectives right you know whether it's you know brand awareness selling through inventory or or simply maximizing that retention and, and loyalty opportunity. So I think we covered the who is this right for, what are the opportunities, but I do want to ask before we start to close up our conversation, we're at this juncture where a lot of businesses are taking a hard look at their, their list of different tactics, their tech investments, their omni-channel strategies, and they're looking for gaps, right? They're saying, okay, where do we need to go? How can we improve? How do we best meet customers' needs, right? So are there any, you know, strategic questions that executives should be asking to determine whether this type of experience is right for them? I mean, it seems like, (laughs) I may be assuming here, it seems like basically more often than not, it is a a good opportunity for businesses and retail, but are there, like, any pointed questions that, like, Some like a head of experience or whoever would, you know, lead the charge on this type of initiative? Like, are there things that they should be asking and, and, you know, boxes they should be checking to make sure, okay, like this is right. This is a good call for us.
0: I think it just starts with understanding who is your customer? Do you know exactly who your customer is? Do you want to know exactly who your customers? Where are they? Where do you think that they are as far as physically, where are they? So for example, I can give just a quick example of my own company, Flat Out of Heels. We're selling rollable ballet flats to rescue women's feet when they hurt after heels. Where are they? Okay, they're at the nightclub. They're at a train station going to work. They're commuting, of course, prior to COVID. They're at the airport. They're at concerts. So that's where they are. How can they get my products? When would they need it? When would they feel the pain point? Can I relieve that pain point as fast as possible? That's why vending was good for me. These are questions they need to ask each brand or whoever's the decision maker needs to ask themselves. What are your objective? Mine was to sell products. If your objective is to sell products, where are they? When do they need it? What are they doing when they need it? That's where it should be. If your object- objective is to get some feedback, sample products, where, who are you trying to sample from? Where's your test audience? The beautiful thing about having the cameras is we make a lot of incorrect assumptions around who our customers are. These cameras will tell us for sure who's walking up to the machine, who's attracted to it. These cameras will tell us for sure the demographic profile of our customers and for sure if we put the machine in the right place. If assumptions are incorrect, we can always move the machine. That's the beautiful thing about not having a brick and mortar store. Unplug the machine, put it in a crate and move it to another place. And eventually you'll find exactly where your customer's at and you'll have it down to a science and you'll be converting. And that's the goal for all of us. We want to get our conversion rates up. I love that. Just plug, plug it out,
1: and move it. It's it's testing and learning in in the physical realm, and it, it's incredible. Don, this has been amazing. I love hearing the origin stories, how how people build their businesses, how they scale them, and how they're helping the retail industry collectively innovate and find new ways to reach and serve customers. And I loved your point around don't make assumptions about your customers and what they want and need. And I feel like that's especially true now because things are about Evolving so rapidly. Um, but before I let you go, I always like to close out when we talk about up and coming, cutting edge tech. I always love folks who are in the space to kind of make some bold predictions, I guess you could say. We- we've talked about how this space has evolved and expanded over the past five years. But if you were to kind of look into your crystal ball, make some predictions around the future of contactless retail and kiosk-based retail or vending machine retail specifically. Where do you think this opportunity will go? What do you think this new age customer experience will look like?
0: I'm looking at the crystal ball that's really in front of us, and we're moving into an area of full automation led by the retailer giant Amazon. We're doing Amazon Go. We're doing package lockers. We're doing Prime. We're doing immediate delivery. We're conditioning consumers to get immediate delivery. You cannot compete with immediate delivery. You're going to fail. Either you have fulfillment by Amazon to get immediate delivery or you find a way to get immediate delivery, which is vending machines and kiosks. Also see customers just self-serving in every way. We already see this when we're tagging our own bags at the airport. For me, that was shocking. I'm like, what do they do now? Where we're putting <laughs> our tickets and now we're tagging our own bags? Like, you know, so they're walking us into a place in our lives where we're really self serving and it's going to look a lot like China as far as the automation that's present. I say in the next five years. Awesome. Well, we'll have to have you back. I mean, not even five years. I would say probably within the next
1: six months exactly. to a year, we're going to probably exactly. see some COVID fantastic movement.
0: The of, of contactless, touchless, frictionless. COVID was that one thing where people said, I don't want to touch something, I don't want to deal with humans. Yep. And now, <laughs> that you don't have
1: to anymore. Yep. It was the cherry on top, I'm sure, for some people. They're like, great, now I have an excuse to not. <laughs> exactly. Yes. All right, Don. this has been amazing. Thank you again so much. It has been a real pleasure getting to know you and get your perspectives on this. It's, I won't say new, but this evolving and incredibly exciting space right now.
0: Thank you so much. I'm so fortunate to be able to have this conversation because I'm such a retail geek that this has been fun.
1: Love it. Well, you're my type of person. Would love to have you back on the show sometime. And to all of you listening, as uh, Don noted, she's always looking for feedback. She's looking for insights and, and perspectives on what's top of mind for executives right now. So we're obviously sharing this episode across our socials. We'd love to hear from you and hopefully find a way to make some connections. So drop us a line on Twitter at our touch points or uh, through LinkedIn at retail touchpoints. There's so much innovation happening right now. There are so many new opportunities, new ideas that have not yet been discovered or nurtured yet. So please get in touch with us if you want to get connected to Dawn. And um, if you haven't already, subscribe to the show. We're always having these conversations, putting entrepreneurs in the spotlight, business builders, tech innovators. So we're available on any and all podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. So we'd love to bring these conversations straight to your preferred device. Thanks again, everyone. And thanks to you, Don. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.